Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone-Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Annie Highwater. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies in Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Annie Highwater, who needs really no introduction. She's a contributor to alliesinrecovery.net. She's a writer, a speaker, a family advocate. She's a lifelong researcher of behavioral science with particular interests in family pathology and concepts of dysfunction and conflict. So Annie wrote a a memoir called Unhooked, a mother's story of unhitching from the roller coaster of her son's addiction. This was in 2016 when she wrote this and I read it and I could not put it down. I felt like Annie was talking to every parent, every loved one who's ever been through this. And as, as opposed to how other memoirs had been written and also very helpful and elegant and 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 hopeful, um, but Annie, other unlike them, focused on herself. So it's her journey. It's what she came to realize about herself and her needs, and 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 how to practice a life that would keep her calm in the face of her son's active addiction. Um, and that's and, and and that had never been done before. And I just I found her. I got to her publisher, and I said, Annie, I need to I need to meet you. I need you to talk to our families. And she's been with us ever since. So welcome, Annie. Thanks for coming today. Oh, thank you. What an honor. Um, I love Allies of Recovery and all of the families. And I was just thinking it was interesting as you were introducing me. You, you spoke of the conflict and dysfunction part of my introduction. I always am so amazed by that because it's it's interesting to me that the very things I hated the most about my life and was most embarrassed of have become such strengths um, because really I'm an expert in nothing more than dysfunction. I always say if it was an Olympic sport, my family would have every gold medal, but once you overcome it, that pain kind of becomes your message of hope. So it is an honor to me to share that hope with anybody else that might be struggling. So thanks so much for having me on. Thank you, Annie. You know, you were talking a while back with somebody that you interviewed for this podcast, and you said that you had had a, a career in insurance, a corporate career, and um, after uh, a slight period of craziness, I suppose, when you, you really um, felt the, the worst about the situation uh, of addiction in your family, both of your son's addiction and your mother, mm-hmm. um, you let go of insurance and and went sort of full into this work that you do now, um, this recovery work that you do now, which you are you excel at maybe because of those gold medals and dysfunction. But I think we really appreciate where you're coming from. I know you you understand where many families are coming from and that that deep dysfunction that may have been part of their upbringing as well and and, and how that affected the way they parented and the way they thought about their parenting and themselves when faced with addiction and in, in, in your in, in your case, both your son and much more difficult even you may perhaps your mother's. 
because there's mental illness there. So um, I was wondering when you went sort of full out into recovery work, what kinds of things are you doing now? How are you, how, how, what does your day look like? Um, well, I would say that um, I, I was doing very well in insurance, but I don't like to put a fancy frame around the truth because I think the truth is what heals. So I've always been very raw about the truth. So when I left insurance, I took a period of um, just, I worked from home for a while. And then I just got to the point where I just couldn't focus on anything else. I was too PTSD and dealing with anxiety and sorrow and pain and everything that all those years of worry and dysfunction had built up within me. So um, I don't sugarcoat the fact that if you are a parent, um, my mom's problems had a longer lifelong effect on me. But if you are a parent, it kind of changes the game because you have those midnight hours where you're walking to the floor with nostalgia, remembering that child as a baby, fearful, and, and your biggest fear is their death. And you think you're on the clock against it. And it makes you absolutely crazy, not just crazy, but primal fear climb the walls crazy. And I just couldn't do much with that, especially when it was surging. And sometimes, you know, things calm down and they're normal again. Um, and then you just try to kind of pick up the pieces and go on. And then that craziness comes back in. So I just was kind of forced into a time of solitude. And I realized I've got to sit down in the midst of this because I'm surging so bad inside with, you know, everything that we've been through and my response to it. So I went through a process of therapy and DBT and all of that. We are about eight years on the other side of it now. So my life now, I'm still writing and doing podcasting and all of that, but I'm also working full-time during the day for a healthcare organization. I do peer support. So I work with family members, um, people who are struggling with addiction and their family members and kind of, um, instead of an insurance agent, I consider myself now more of an encouragement agent. So where I can walk into, you know, somebody who's maybe, tried to commit suicide an hour ago and they're in the emergency room. I can walk into where a doctor with a clipboard isn't going to have the same effect as somebody who says, I've been right here, face down on the floor, hoping I would die. I know exactly how this feels and I know you can get better. I know life can improve. I know you can come out of this. You're not a mess, you're not bad. And there is something about having someone that's been there come alongside a team of clinicians or whatever else as well that adds that support and makes you feel like maybe I can be okay. So that's really what my day looks like. I do get up and run two miles every morning. I have this intense energy, always have. So I have to kind of channel it. I get up and run and do my prayers and all of that. I have a new puppy and then I work from home during the day and in the evenings and on weekends, I work on podcasting and writing and responding to tons of emails with family members. I answer every single one of them, um, take a lot of phone calls and then spend time with family and travel. And that's pretty much Life in a nutshell. That's, that's an amazing change. And, and <laughs> you sound extremely uh, capable and energized and, and forward-looking and happy in your life. <laughs> I mean, that took work. I mean, that, the energy was always there, but that took work. And you have to, you know, that, that's a, it's a hard pit to climb your way out of when life feels hopeless. And you feel like everyone around you is losing their mind and nobody's talking sense. And I mean, we spent a lot of years in that. And that's why I like to study conflict and conflict resolve and all of that. Because I was so surrounded by it, I never saw a way out. It was kind of like mole in the hole. When things would be calm between my son and I, I have, you know, four brothers or I have this mother who 
is um, extremely kind of into condemning religious practices and will call you about it. But plus she had a pill addiction and I was, oh, I was never not surrounded by chaos. And if you were my friend, close friend, you were aware of that. And it could be overwhelming because my life could suck the life out of you just being a bystander. So sitting down in the midst of that and trying to find, to dig your way out with experts or even things that are going to work is trial and error. And it takes, it took a lot of work and a lot of healing. And on this side of it, you know, there were days I felt like we were being skinned alive, but on this side of it, recovery is a beautiful thing and it's possible for any family. Uh, well, your book really describes that inner journey and the, the process of, of, you know, sitting in a, in a puddle on the floor, not knowing which way to turn with those extraordinarily difficult emotions and the anxiety and the pounding and, the, and the, that primal, primal fear of, of, a, of a mother not knowing if her child is going to live. I mean, that, that is hard, hard to relate to and to know that you did that day in, day out for years with it surging and maybe quieting down in moments of exhaustion. It's, 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 it's an incredible life and it's an incredible book. I know you've written a second book um, and, um, and I'm wondering um, what you've done in the last couple of years um, in terms of uh, a movement of teaching families, supporting families, understanding the needs of families. I feel like we, we have a nascent family movement in this country. And I'd like to know your take on it and your, uh, your, your participation in it, if any, and what you've been doing. Because I know you've been going to some of the, the bigger events around the country where there are beginnings to be seminars and, 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 and healing and uh, gatherings of, of family members. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, I think probably in the beginning, you know, if you're the person on the side of the house that's not struggling with substances, you feel like you're the responsible one, maybe a little bit of the victim in the situation. So you don't realize that you play a part in it as well. And you, we all have work to do and working on our responses to it is a great place to start. So I am a big believer in introspection and therapy and doing our own work. And I had learned, somebody told me there's a promise of working your own process of recovery. And when I say recovery, there's no one size fits all. That's got to be custom to you. That might be at your church. It might be 12 steps. It might be other meetings. It might be therapy. It might be a combination. Just once you start working and doing that deep inner dive and kind of starting to heal yourself and the way you respond is adjusted, that's your process. So somebody had told me there's a promise that if one person in a family situation, when it's kind of raging with chaos like this, will do work to improve, the situation is bound to improve. So I kind of saw that as a helicopter rope and that the healthier I became, the better chance the situation had of becoming. So I started doing just mostly the work on myself and I would analyze my motives when I would respond or do the investigating stuff and be in pain and things like that. And, and I would try to be conscious enough to be aware of how I reacted in those moments or responded and change that so that it would involve more peace. And I started noticing the more peaceful I was, the calmer the situation would be. And of course, sometimes those boundaries at first cause backlash, so things get worse before they get better. Somebody had said to me, when you're establishing order in your life, disorder will raise its head. And that, that seemed to be the case, at least for me. 
So um, I just started becoming involved in whatever I could. I now, I like a lot of grassroots homegrown type of stuff. So I help facilitate family support meetings in our community. I'm a part of that program. And I send out um, blogs that are related to topics and situations that you face when you're going through it. I like to attend events. Um, I think it's important to do all kinds of self-care and to take care of yourself and to get out and enjoy yourself. Because in the midst of that, I remember thinking, I haven't looked up at the sky in months. I haven't even looked at what's going on in the sky. I'm so bound up in my pain or I haven't laughed or smiled. Sometimes taking those little breaks, they feel selfish or you feel guilty or you're just so caught up. It takes over that you forget to do it. So it's a process of kind of returning to yourself in the midst of it and, and settling those fears and figuring out how you're going to respond and make it through there and who you're going to trust and weeding friendships in and out. And it's a process for sure. So I did that process myself. And now I try to help families and encourage them through their own process of that. And the work you do as a peer is really just an extension of that into other areas, but certainly addiction, you must see a lot of that in your work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. because I mean, I don't know, I don't know any other way to put it, but it makes everybody, it, everybody gets sick with it. It's, you know, a domino effect and we all get sick. How many times do we see somebody go off to treatment and they go through detox, maybe IOP and they have some momentum and, and some time under their belt. And then they go back to a family where no one else has done the work and the system is the same. You know, that doesn't give you a great setup for success or change. And there's something about a family doing the work to get well that builds kind of a platform for everyone to get well and build momentum toward that. Because the, the whole family system, it changes the trajectory of an entire family. And you can go one way or another with it. It changes everything turned upside down and shaken like a snow globe. How it settles is really where the work is. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's a matter of, of getting well. And well could be understanding alcoholism or understanding the the the, pro, the 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 progression of alcoholism it, it it could be understanding how rageful you get and needing yes. to quiet that internally first yeah um, i have so a good definition people always talk about serenity or well-being and i always say my definition of serenity is peace and sanity and when i come out of either of those i know i'm i'm not healthy even if a situation maybe justifies it if i'm chaotic or screaming, yelling, cussing, investigating, harassing, interrogating an adult child or another family member, and I'm surging in this conflict, something's infected. So I need to step back for a minute and breathe through it. Yeah. And I think what we do on our site at Allies in Recovery is very helpful in this process because we run you through exercises that help you um, be introspective understand and become more aware of what you're seeing so that you can step back a little and feel less like you're in the fight with them and more like you're the, you've got the, the observant stance of someone who's concerned, who's compassionate, whose arms are open and is saying, look, you know, the, when you're ready to do something, um, I've got these, I, I, I've got this list I've been working on of people who take our insurance or whatever, you know? So it's, um, it, 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 it's, it's, it's getting well, it's introspection, but it's also just the straight up practical awareness building and, and understanding how to respond and behave and stay calm and stay uh, out of conflict 
that just puts a rest to it in a sense in a family like you're describing it just brings the whole thing down and and people change in that in, in that change dynamic it's it's easier to move around it's easier for your in, in maybe in your case in your son saying mom you know i'm just not really happy about how i'm living this isn't you know what i intended to do i i can't seem to get off the couch 3 days out of the week you know and and or whatever it is right so you you want everybody to calm down you want everybody to be able to speak to each other honestly and openly and safely and if you create those conditions you get well and so does everybody else in the family yep that's right yeah and i learned a lot from allies in recovery and some of the tactics of craft one of the things I, I learned and I know parents are particularly fond of is the, um, I can't remember if it's in a module or if I just learned it in one of the blogs, but it was the idea of writing some resources on an index card or a Hallmark card and putting it yes. maybe in a bag of food, McDonald's or something, or however many times, and then leaving it with your son or daughter so that when they have those moments of clarity, the wishes or dips that were sometimes not aware of because they go by too quick or we're not present for when it's like, what am I doing with my life? I used to go on vacations and play baseball. How did I get here? Who am I around? This is miserable. You know, those moments, they go so quick. If you have an index card or a Hallmark card that says, hey, if you're ready and you want some relief, call this number, you know, you can get in your insurance matches or maybe they give scholarship. There's something so powerful about having that in hand and they make the decision themselves. And that's one step forward of accomplishment. And when you accomplish something and you get the dignity of that, it's a choice you make and it's a victory. Then you can have confidence to make the next step and maybe go. Nobody's making you go or backing you against a wall with threats and consequences. So there's something about getting the ball rolling that way that I've seen really be helpful in families. And I would say that was exactly the process with my son, with him making a call and going out into treatment out in California. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And your son's doing well today. Yep. He it's been um, he's been out there since 2013. He's in Scottsdale now and thriving, doing really well. I'm very happy for you. And, and I'm very happy for us to have met you, Annie, and, and for you to continue to share of your 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 learnings and your soul and your energy and your smile and and appreciate it very much. So thank you for today, Annie. Thank you. And anyone is welcome to email me as well. I, I love connecting with people from allies um, about anything, even if you just need encouragement. Craft works and allies is there for you. I have found that to be true. I've watched it be true with people that are desperate who will write in and say, this is going on. And then they get three people that come back with feedback and encouragement. And they're like, oh my goodness, nobody has taken the time to calm me like this or to share their experience or to maybe direct me toward craft or the sanctuary. And there's, I, I like I do in peer support during the day, there's just something about having a team around you that is safe and supported and knowledgeable and optimistic that makes you believe this can be okay. I can get through today. Right. And you absolutely can. And I, I really appreciate you saying that. Thanks again, Annie. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesandrecovery.net. 
Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, our production team, and Mikael Mouboussin for the original music composition. <laughs>